Welcome to the Courageous Spirit Podcast. This is a new name for our podcast that I feel more accurately catches the spirit of what I would like this podcast to be about. Ultimately, spiritual awakening, improving our health, becoming more aware. All of these things require rites of passage. They are fundamentally paths of courage, if done properly. And so I feel the Courageous Spirit podcast is the right way for our channel to go. In today's podcast episode, I'm going to share at special request a mentoring session that I had with an individual named Chris who has been suffering from a wasting disease for the better part of six or seven years. A number of years back, four, maybe four years back, it got so bad that now he's about six foot two, I would guess, and it normally weighed about 180 pounds, got down to about 130, maybe high 120s. His nervous system was uh, demyelating and his body was wasting. He couldn't walk, his joints were falling apart. He was in tremendous pain almost constantly, or at, tremendous may not be correct. He was in a lot of pain almost constantly and could not take care of himself. He had no energy. It was hard for him to talk. It was hard for him to uh, just think clearly, of course. And he could not sleep largely. Ultimately, he came to a decision to commit suicide. That attempt failed. But fortunately, over the period of the next six months, his body began to recover and he was able to return to work. Now, Chris is a single father, raises raising a daughter, and he's been doing well for the last several years. But suddenly, maybe three or four months back, sometime late last, sometime last summer, well, I guess it would be almost six months now. The wasting disease, the symptoms started returning. Started losing circulation to his, or sorry, started losing um, ability to control his legs and his fingers and arms. The pain returned. He had to retire from work. He was working as an acupuncturist. And now he's at a point where he can't take care of his daughter anymore. He's in pain again. And of course, his mind is concerned that this is going to end up in a very dark place and be right back in the need to commit suicide. He lives in the state of Oregon. And in Oregon, there is an assisted suicide law allowing suicide for those who've been diagnosed with incurable diseases that are fatal. The problem with this disease is it's not considered to be fatal. It's just continual wasting. And so it's not possible to take advantage of Oregon's assisted suicide law. So he's in a lot of pain, a lot of fear. Fear for himself, but even more so fear of what he's potentially going to go through because it, it's likely only gonna get worse from here. 
uh, based on previous experience, but not being there for his daughter as she grows. She's only seven now. And so there's a lot of challenges and we're mentoring through this process. And Chris would like to have his experience be helpful to people worldwide so that others can benefit and learn from his mentoring process, his challenges, his rites of passage, his fears, his pain and suffering. If it could be of benefit to anybody else, nothing would make him more pleased. And so with this, we'll begin the Courageous Spirit Podcast. All right. Where would you like to begin? Um, well, I kind of want to start off with the... Uh, uh, I had this realization that I, I haven't shared with you from the very onset of this, which was, you know, seven years ago, um, that, <clears throat> you know, I was told I was going to go through an apocalyptic challenge and, uh, and the, and it was to help me deal with fear and the fear of raising Mackenzie in a, a collapsed society. Um, so, and, and as I feel into what's happening now, like that is, that's exactly what's happening. I keep going, I was working through different uh, aspects of fear. You know, I'm afraid of going blind. I'm afraid of my daughter, you know, losing her father. I'm afraid of failing at suicide. You know, it's all these different fears and they keep, and there's afraid different of, ones. Afraid of, fa of failing at suicide, is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. Afraid of failing at suicide, also afraid of, I'm sure there's afraid of death. It's more of a leaving, you know, leaving my daughter behind. I don't think there's a whole lot of energy of afraid of dying, but I don't want to, you know, leave my daughter behind. Uh, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, all these different, and it goes through like some days it's like, and I don't even know, it takes some uh, in inquiry, to figure out what, the fear is actually about because it's just this terror that's in my abdomen or my chest. Um, and when I inquire in on it, it's like, Oh, right now it's, I'm afraid of failing at suicide. And that was like a recent one that I, you know, had to work with and sit with for a while. And, um, and then it kind of, it kind of clears up. There's always some like little residual stuff there, but there'll be hours in a day, sometimes a day where there's not a whole lot of fear and contractions. So, uh, but then it comes back and there's usually a new fear. And then there was the fear of, of my daughter seeing me, you know, really sick in a chair, you know, handicapped, completely handicapped again. And so it's, it's working with that. Um, why, why that particular fear? That's interesting. Yeah, is that a fear? Um, that is, it's, or more of I just don't want that. You know, sad. That's more of a sadness thing that comes up with well, me. I'm, that's the question I'm having. Is although I can understand on the surface why we want that. When I look deeper, it seems to me that it's not inherently a bad thing that she sees that. No, no, I know, I know she needs to see this. It actually might be helpful for her to see it. Yeah. Depending on really. your attitude in the presentation. 
my yeah my attitude yeah i've been i've been feeling that too it's like she may need to see this like she may have to go through this a massive life lesson of yeah and clarity under hardship so if you if you're psychologically remorseful that she sees you in this way that's gonna it's gonna paint her experience yeah in a negative way it'd be harder for her to actually digest the experience Right. Just presented as reality. And this is the it's just human beings have to go through hardship. It's not 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 feel remorseful or sad or ashamed or anything like that. It's just this is just reality as it plays out. You can't explain that to her at this age, but but the energy is very different between the two. Mm -hmm. Right? One is a is a psychologically spiritually weak energy and the other is strong. Though the body is weak. Yeah. Right. I'll, I'll show her strength. You know, this is maybe, this may be, you know, a huge part of the lesson. We just don't. So, yeah, I've had that. And then I, you know, I did, I've had that realization. I've known that this, this would be important. May um, I ask you a, a question about that a little bit more? Oh, about her seeing me? Yes. The chair? Yes. Is it, uh, if, if we can really open up into this question and explore it on a deeper level. First question is, is it necessary for her to see you this way? Like spiritually for her growth and development and yours as well. Is it, is it appropriate? It's definitely appropriate. Definitely appropriate. Definitely appropriate. And she hasn't seen you this way yet? She knows something's wrong right now. Oh, no, I'm talking. There's, I mean, I'm, she knows something's wrong. I don't, you know, I barely leave the house and stuff like that. I can only walk. You're, you're more like imagining as it gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah. It's not like I was last time where I couldn't get up out of a chair, that sort of yeah. thing. That's a whole different animal. It is. Um, All right. So this, this is, this is even more interesting. So can you share with me what you visualize this future exposure looking like? Honestly, physically, what would she see? Well, she'd see me. Well, if it, if it manifests like last time, that she's going to see me of just literally no energy. And I, I just, I, I look terrible. I don't really keep up on myself and stuff, and I just stink. What does looking terrible paint that? Uh, I don't. I can't shave often, so it's just the scruffy. My beard doesn't. I, I look really sick, and my hair is greasy because it is difficult for me to bathe. I just didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. And how about the eyes? What do the eyes look like? Because that's what she's going to be paying attention to most. The eyes, yeah. The eyes are going to be weak. They're going to be sticky. It's gooey. Like just that's what happens with that's kind of like something that's happening now. It's it's there's just a lot of junk forming up in there. Um, uh, scared. She's going to see me. Scared. She's going to see me weak. 
and it all comes down to she's going to see me weak. So you that's said scared. So that's that in its sense. Um, what what is the scared of? That's the thing that uh, that's going to most more than the beard and the gunk in the eyes and the greasy hair and the body odor. It's the scared look in the eye that's going to yeah have the greatest influence and paint her experience of you and maybe of her own self and future because she's going to carry that with her a lot longer than she will the greasy hair yeah yeah so what is this scared of Yeah, as it, let's see. I have to go back to, let's see, scared. Sad, it's actually, when I really feel into it, it's, and when it was last time, it was just utter sadness. It was just utter sadness. So that maybe fear isn't the right word in that particular incident, but just, just depressed sadness. And That's what is sadness about? That I can't be there for her. I can't participate in her life. I can't. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure that that's true. I mean, even if you die. This, oh. bit, this may sound a bit strange, but yeah. if you demonstrate to her a warm, loving acceptance of death, a courageous acceptance of death, a true acceptance of death, that message will be with her forever. Huh. And that may be the most helpful experience she could have in her entire life. Yeah. Not longing for death, but just a courage for life, a courage for death, a love of life, a love of the death process too. It's not, you understand what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely, yeah. That would leave a larger impression. There are certain pivotal moments in a human's experience in death, death, of course, being one of them, the birth of a child, you know, these, these moments are pivotal. And because they're such hyper accentuated moments in our memory, in our experience, our cells, our nervous system, our brain is, is much more attentive and much more capable of absorbing that moment. They're, they're almost psychedelic like in, in their potency. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, more so because they there's not the question of is it real or not. Yeah. And so this is a, these are moments of hyper neuroplasticity. You follow? Do you understand the term? Yeah. The question is, what's the message that her neurology is going to receive in that moment? Is it 
love, acceptance, appreciation, respect, trust. Is it courage? In the face of the most challenging of experiences? Mm. Or is it sadness? But she won't understand what the sadness is about. Right. She will she will infer what it's about, but that net may not be accurate. And the statement that you wouldn't be able to be there for that message that you would leave. Were you in that grounded state of of I mean, regardless of the pain, but just in a thankful state for the little time you have left. Mm -hmm. Might be more than the total life experience of the average father with their daughter. Absolutely, yeah. And that might, that just might be what she needs. And I'm willing to give that to her if that's, you know, that's my job as my father, as the father. Mm-hmm. As difficult as it can, as difficult as it's going to be. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, I mean, from my perspective, this seems like the ultimate challenge. Yeah. Right. It's, it's the ultimate rite of passage as well. I mean, you can look at it, you know, challenges are rites of passage. Yeah. And it'll be, yeah, it's going to be, yeah, I'm going to say it's going to be a challenge for her too. Um, But not, maybe not in the same way. I mean, definitely not in the same way as me, but um, maybe not, maybe not so much, you know, maybe if she can get that message that of strength um, in the face of, yeah, yeah, who knows? I don't know, but. She's going to see a contrast. And she might not recognize this immediately. It's a seed that will be planted in the nervous system that may take 30 years to bloom. But at some point, she's going to see a massive contrast between what the message that Chris's body demonstrated in death and the message that her mother shows every day. Right now she's getting a negative message from her mother, fear, 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 right? Mm-hmm. But there's another perspective that you potentially gifted her, which is love, courage, clarity, in spite of the worst possible physical outcome. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. If she only sees sadness, then there's nothing that will counterbalance the fear she gets from her mother. No. There isn't an option in the nervous system that at least coming from you. Now she may find it from somebody else. You know, she may have some weird mystical experience like I had that opened up that possibility because I wasn't getting it from my parents. But you have a you have an opportunity to be that mystical experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you consider Jesus on the floor in the room when I was eight years old, he was you. <laughs> he had no yeah. bones he couldn't move he was basically paralyzed it was it's a wasting disease yeah right when i looked in his eyes i didn't see the wasting disease 
I did see lament, but I also saw hope. The hope was in, in me, for example, in that dream. I have a message to pass forward. It's sad what happened, but won't you take it forward? Right? She is the message. I mean, you are so you are the you would your body would be the message, and she might be the one who takes it forward. Mm -hmm. Think about what that one little dream of Jesus did for me. All right. <laughs> That was just a dream, and you actually have the physical capacity to do it in real life. <laughs> it's it's an incredible opportunity. If I if I think about what that moment did for my neurology, I mean it took 30, 40 years for it to realize itself. But that seed was incredible it overcame like every obstacle imaginable in my life and i didn't even understand why and now as i'm talking to you i can see it <laughs> like huh. see why it was so potent yeah right and it, it could have just been a dream <laughs> but there was so much wisdom in that dream and and that wisdom is in in the integrity of the moment. The incredible integrity that was displayed in that moment. And I wonder how a child could have a dream that was so mature. Right. That is interesting. Mind? That's hard to say, isn't it? Yeah. I have trouble believing that. Right. Yeah. But maybe there is a great, great in tremendous wisdom underneath the child's mind. And maybe that's what you'll reflect through the integrity. Right. That's a possibility. How does that possibility change your perspective of that final meeting with your daughter? Or maybe multiple meetings with your daughter. Yeah. Does it change your perspective? Oh, it does. There's definitely less resistance to it. I'm not saying that there isn't fear that comes up with all this, but there's definitely less resistance and an openness, and uh, and it's kind of like bringing together what in words where I kind of I kind of had a feeling that this was this is something that she needs to experience, but I didn't really have the words for it. To uh, yeah, so it's bringing some things together. And it's Interesting, she's about the same age as you were when. Oh, yes. Yeah. She's seven now, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's such an interesting, I was mentoring someone um, yesterday, actually, who uh, sort of had a similar conversation. He was referring, he was, I was mentioning that many times, for most people, the awakening, actually most, most people awaken to the oneness. I'm sorry, most people awaken to the... Most people during their life awaken to the oneness. To the oneness. However, they usually don't do it while they're capable. It's usually in the last moment of their last breath, when they're no longer capable of communicating, 
or demonstrating it to the world. Mm -hmm. And so any onlooker wouldn't know it because it doesn't show in their expression because they're basically dead. I mean, like medically, they, they may not be dead, but they're just incapable of actually showing it. And so there isn't any evidence in this world, or generally speaking, there's very little evidence of the, the, the possibility of conscious unification, but it happens for a high percentage of individuals in the moment of death. This individual, um, I mentioned that and he said, oh, it reminds me of when I was with my grandfather when he was dying. Just before he died, he opened his eyes. He couldn't say anything, but there was a look in his eyes that I remember, and this is when he was young that his grandfather died, I remember I remember clearly to this day as if he saw the light or something. Mm. Right. Yeah. I didn't really understand what that meant at the time, but that left such a lasting impression on me. And that moment may have led me to the awakening path in retrospect. It might've been that that led me, for example, to TEM, you know, the awakening path and, and all of that. See these, these moments, where we're right up against death, that's where the brain is most attentive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Usually takes that. <laughs> and this is also part of what the, it's an ancient concept that one doesn't truly, um, one is incapable of truly embracing life until one has been to the edge of death. But it's possible psychologically to already be dead. Now, there's two types of death in this way. There's the spiritual death, and then there's the mindful death. Spiritual death is, we could say, like depression. There's a, a perverse, dark comfort to extreme depression. Because in that depression, we have... No responsibility. It's comfortable in a sick way. Yeah. Right? Have you ever seen anybody in that state? Oh, yeah. That's one of the reasons that makes it so difficult for people to come out of that state is the perverse comfort of it. The, I don't need to, I, I, no one's going to expect anything from me anymore. God, yeah, kind of feeling, right? I can just wallow in in this self-absorbed state, and there's no pressure on me. It's the ultimate state of it's a spiritual defeat, a spiritual death in a sense, right? Yeah. And there's the mindful death, and that's where the mind accepts death courageously. One knows that because you know we're, our lives are just a blip. It doesn't seem like that while we're living, of course. But death is seems a certainty. 
And when we courageously accept that death can happen at any moment and live accordingly, not foolishly, live accordingly, like actually taking spiritual responsibility for every moment that you have alive to support them, benefit the whole system, you're actually alive in a way that you could not be alive if you were not awakened that way, if you had not thrown away your life, what you're really throwing away is the selfishness. You're throwing away the selfishness. Mm -hmm. But it seems ironic or maybe paradoxical that throwing away that selfishness actually leads to a much more fulfilling life. It's because the psyche is not located in your brain it's spread over time. It's spread over space. It's spread over society, your identity. You didn't choose it. It develops from an interaction of all of those elements. You reflecting on the future, how your older life might be, how you might develop all the, you know, your, your talents and your weaknesses as they play out over time, your goals and things, that's time the psyche is expressing through that time projection, right? Mm -hmm. But also in the past. Not only is it expressing, but the brain is adapting according to its expression, according to the depth that you see past and future, and the clarity that you see past and future. But your psyche is also developing socially, your interactions with other people, your social position, your responsibilities or lack thereof. And your identity is expressing through space what's around you. If you live in a moldy, rotten house that's never been taken care of, it's going to affect the way you feel about life and yourself. Which means it affects your identity. Which means your identity isn't just housed here. It spreads. Mm. You see it? Yeah. It's a, but it's a, it's a double-edged sword. We can see only the negative in that. Or we can see the positive. Because the identity spreads. It's possible to influence all those things. Instead of just being influenced by those things. Mm. That's the connection that empowers the courageous mind, the courageous spirit. Do you see it? Mm -hmm. right. There is a connection. That connection can be felt by your daughter, subconsciously at least. Right. That's a seed that will develop over the course of her life. Someday, <laughs> she right. may. It just might take thirty years. Yeah, <laughs> years. Might take thirty years. She may not even know exactly where it came from. It just kind of pops up. Exactly where it came from. Yeah. No. 
it's also maybe helpful that we explore the fear element because I'm not saying that there won't be fear. <laughs> I, I can't imagine there wouldn't be. <laughs> right? I can't imagine there wouldn't be. Yeah. Especially, be, see, not only is your body losing functionality, but it's painful. And there are two types of fear. There's the fear that's in the mind, but there's also the fear that's in the body. Mm -hmm. And to what extent we're experiencing one or the other or both, it may be helpful that we, uh, we sort of categorize it so we can see it more clearly. And the first thing would be the fear for what you're going through. In a lot of ways, it seems quite reasonable, doesn't it? I mean, who could blame a person for feeling tremendous fear? Yeah. But, but courage doesn't exist unless there's fear. We don't call something courageous unless there's a true risk. Right. Unless there's a true fear. Like someone who does something that's very risky, but who feels no fear over it, may be just foolhardy. Right, right. You just be an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that you're not an idiot is what creates the fear. Right. <laughs> right. But that's also what creates the rite of passage. Mm -hmm. You see it? Absolutely, yeah. You gotta have it, yeah. You gotta have the fear or else it's not a rite of passage. No. Yeah, it's like if I happen to be going through all this and there's just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you'd go through this without fear, but I guess it, it's a possibility, but it wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't have, wouldn't have the same impact for sure. It's, the fear is, and there is, I mean, the fear is very uncomfortable, as you know, but there is like a homeopathic amount of like, of me that's like, yes, it's like, I, I, I want to feel this, like I need this fear. Uh, almost every time that it really, really stirs up. So the, is the fear mental? Like, is it as a result of you anticipating what's going to happen? There's going to be, in all likelihood, some amount of that type of fear, right? Yeah. And we could look at that fear in a sense, it, it is a sign of intelligence. Like you're anticipating what's going to come. If you were too stupid to anticipate what's coming, you wouldn't have the fear. Right. But it's important to anticipate what's going to come because it's you got to prepare your body on some level, you know. Like that's right. You gotta look around the corner and see what's going to come. Yeah. You can't be sure what's going to come. I mean, last time you were absolutely certain that you were gonna die, but here we are talking right now. Uh, yeah, I know, right? So, so we can't be sure one way or the other. Yeah. And that's part of what creates the fear, too. Yeah. I know. If I knew I was going to die, it actually would be very oh, much easier, right? Much easier. I'm going to die or I'm going to live. Let's just make it clear, right? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I'd be like, all right, three months from now, let's do it, you know, like whatever. But it's not. It's this, yeah, it's this. And this yeah, is, that's, that's the, one of the biggest fears. Is This is the area, actually, from... From a holistic perspective, this may be an area of greatest 
concerned. So if we look historically, uh, you can see this, for example, um, in, in when when the so when when Russia or would have been Prussia at the time uh, became Stalinist and then ultimately communist in its society, like it's, it appears to be like any communist society, there's a society that's based on lies. And the reason it's based on lies is because essentially you've got one person or a handful of people that are determining the price of every commodity. Shoes should be a dollar fifty, but there's no way that that one person knows <laughs> the costs, right. how much leather there is available to the shoemaker, or the rubber, or the you know the whatever that makes up the laces, and you know the the fuel costs, and like there's no way a single human being can actually know all that data and come up with a price that makes sense. They're just coming up with a price based off of what they think it ought to be. Like It's like a magical number that they come up with, well, I think a house should cost $50,000. Okay, all houses are $50,000. Not not, doesn't matter that for the, the construction people, it actually costs them $75,000 to make that house. Thusly, yeah. they're not going to make it or they're gonna make a crappy tin house which is actually what happened. If you look at the Soviet buildings, they're all crappy tin houses, yeah. right? The key point to telling that story is that the people in the Soviet Union at that time in any communist country that, that I know of, they're not allowed to be honest about that fact because the story is that they have reached the human utopia that they have reached the pinnacle of human development, that this is the one true path. It's a religious structure. In yeah. that, that anybody who would speak against it is effectively needs to be disappeared. So what ends up happening is the entire structure becomes a lie. Everybody has to lie or they're put away. They're put in a gulag or they're killed. Their own children become informants on the family. Because your mother and father, you don't call them mother and father, you call them comrades. Mm. Right? The great father is like Kim Jong-un, the guy who's running Korea. That's the great father. That's the one your allegiance is to. Or it could be to the, the, the political party. This is where we get um, what's called politically correct, that statement. It's a communist statement. Oh, okay. The people who want to be politically correct, that's communism. They just don't realize it. Like, don't be politically correct. Just, just be correct. <laughs> how about you? How about you actually aim for reality? Yeah. <laughs> but the reason I'm sharing this story isn't to inform you of some historical events. The reason I'm sharing the story is what is a strange occurrence that happens in such societies is that when an individual is finally arrested. For, trans, for being politically incorrect. Maybe their daughter or their son reported on them, whatever. Maybe they went out in the field and they were collecting their grain and, and that's when the, the party uh, communist uh, officials came and took the remaining bits of, you know, remaining bags of grain they had. And so he's now searching the field to see if he dropped any loose grains and they arrest him for that. 
They're starving to death. He's just picking up a few measly, muddy, loose grains, and they'll arrest him for that. In that moment, he's thankful. This is a common experience, like, thank God. Why? Why is that moment being arrested and being shipped off to a gulag cathartic for that individual? He's tired of lying. He's tired of playing the game. Tired of, of, of the ang constant anxiety. Yeah. Constant uncertainty. The constant lying. At least now he knows he's going to die. Alertness constantly for years. It's like, ah, finally. So what is happening in societies like that is a lot of people just start turning themselves in. They just can't handle it anymore. In a sense, you're sort of in that nervous system state where you're uncertain for an extended period of time. Am I going to live through this or am I going to die? You don't know. and You've already been through it once. And I was like, geez, I don't even know. It's just a hard thing to maintain. It's exhausting on a certain level. It's exhausting on a certain level. Yeah, it does. It does feel like the, the experience you said. <coughs> I just got to trust, right? It's, it's, well, part you know, of it would be trust, and part of it is reality. The trust part is what you're already dealing with. With in terms of like the communist situation, there were certain individuals who, right from the beginning, refused. To tell the lie. They get put away in, in the gulag, of course. If you've ever read the book, The Gulag Archipelago, the author Sojanichin writes about such individuals. He said that no matter what happened in the gulag, they were always honest. No matter what the people, what, what the communists did to them, wow. always maintained their integrity. And that was a greater statement to all the other prisoners and to the communists than anything you could possibly imagine. And ultimately, it was that that caused the communist walls to collapse. Really? Wow. It was a spiritual win. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a grueling, those people were tortured. It was a grueling spiritual win, but they never, ever became victims. They didn't allow themselves, no matter what, no matter what, they didn't allow themselves to become a victim. As soon as you start telling the lie or hiding the truth where it's unhelpful because of weakness, like out of fear, your spirit is drowned in that fear. And you've lost the most important thing. You're in this moment. question is what does your daughter see what will we show what's our determination are we going to maintain integrity will we collapse in on ourselves I got to maintain integrity. My last fathering, <laughs> the most important one. 
And even if you live, the same lesson applies, doesn't it? Yeah. One of the things that I think that you naturally come to in such a circumstance is when you live a life of integrity in that way, it becomes very, very difficult to lie. Not, not only to other people, but to yourself. And when it becomes when we become incapable of lying to ourselves, you are the truth. You always have been, but you are now actually experiencing that. That is the awakening. Or at least we could say one level of it. To the degree that we're in alignment with reality is the degree to which we are awake. And so we stop manipulating. The challenge to that is the rest of the world is manipulating. And they don't know how to interact with someone who's not manipulating. <laughs> yeah. That's a little tricky. <laughs> yeah. But usually children do. Young children usually do. Because young children are on a certain way honest. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And that honesty is refreshing. It's like one of the things that we, I often have this discussion with Toko about our dogs. Like, you know, our dogs come in the house, they got muddy feet, they get stickers on them, they look their own asses, and all this silly stuff. Like, if a human did that, you'd be like <laughs> appalled. Like, you would not. Yeah. You would not want to get anywhere near them. You'd think, oh, that's so disgusting. Ooh, you know. The dog does it, and you don't think that. Why? The, they're just being, yeah, they're, they're not playing the social game that we are. <laughs> their nature. Yeah. Right? It's their they're nature. But when we see a human that's that way, we think they're below their nature. Yeah. Disgusting. Because they're behaving beneath their nature. Mm. Outside of their nature. And a dog does it. They're even cute. <laughs> it's their name. You know, when you're when you're you know, infant shits its pants, you don't, I mean, unless you're really immature, it's not disgusting exactly. You don't think of it. If you're immature, yeah. But if you're actually a mature adult, you don't think of it that way. They're adorable in their own way, even though they shit their pants. <laughs> it's because they're being true to their nature. Right. And so walking the path is being true to your nature. The question is, are you in tune with your nature? And when I say your nature, what does that mean to you? Hmm. 
Yeah, I don't have to feel into that. That's a because some some people would just say, "Well, I am a coward." Right. <laughs> I am a disgusting slob, and I'm going to be true to that. Right. Right. I mean, it, it depends on how deeply you see into your nature. Yeah. Right. And of course, on the surface, that person may be cowardly in their own assessment, based off of all the patterns of their life and how they feel. If they walk the path and explore more deeply the subconscious, they'll realize that there's more to their nature than they've seen. And now they have something new to live up to. Seeing your nature is a responsibility. <laughs> it's also a rite of passage because now you have to live by it. The human nature It's a lot to live up to. And you're right there. You're on the front lines. I don't know if any of what I'm saying is is uh, pleasant or not, but this is just reality. Yeah, well, I didn't come here for pleasantries. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of energy for... Yeah, no, time, no time and energy for bullshit. Yeah. All right. So what's your takeaway from what I've described so far? Well, I definitely will feel, feel into my nature. And if I'm true to it, for sure, it's really helped me uh, given me more uh what did, why I don't know why I can't think of the well, it's actually helped me trust more of what's going on giving me more another uh, benefit of me going through this because there I mean even without that I you know throughout the day I remind myself of the things I'm grateful that this disease has, has brought me it's it's brought me a break from society you know not that I necessarily wanted it like this but it's what it is and it, I do get a break from the hustle and bustle I get a lot of time to um, to meditate and uh, be embodied, which is all this is is has been really that's been really enjoyable and, and uh, beneficial. But now I really get to see that this is important for Mackenzie uh, as well. Like I, it's like a, on a deeper level, so it's just going to help me accept this even more accept it and allow it and uh, i remember when you said with your when you went through what you went through a couple of years ago you had to almost like ask the disease to you know progress again. i had uh, literally i had uh, not almost like that i had to wish for that yeah, I, I, I get that like that too and it does relieve a lot of the the tension when i'm able to do it it's not easy Yes, like different stages of it, but it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be easier now. You know, a little easier now that I know that I've had this realization through you that this this may be what Mackenzie needs. Like she may this whatever her path is, she may need to see me face this with some 
from dignity and uh, with courage. And that could be, oh, what the, oh my God. Anyway, I'm sorry, I just took a shit on my rug. Yeah, <laughs> pause, for, uh, pause for a little bit if you need to clean. That's not going to be pleasant on your nose. No, it's all right. It's it's all right. It's it, There's four cats in the house. We're used to it. <laughs> all right, that's enough. <laughs> well, anyway, it's fine. I've got bigger fish to fry than poop. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, so this has been very, very, very helpful, Richard. Yeah, for sure. Well, we've, uh, we're, we're not finished yet. We've got another 10, 12 minutes left on our mentoring today. And Okay. Um, yeah, why, why don't we pause for just a little bit? Because um, it seems like your mind's distracted, but we don't want you to distract. Yeah, let me, it's really bugging me. All right, I'm going to. All righty. <laughs> we were just talking about dogs licking their butts, and <laughs> River just farted and. The shit all over my <laughs> yeah perfect perfect so all right the moment when the cat released on the carpet and you realized what had happened what was the internal experience that Chris had? It was a slight, ah, uh, 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 like, but not great because it's, this is not my first rodeo with this. <laughs> it was slight, yeah, there was a slight resistance. I can even feel where it was in my abdomen. And the experience of cleaning it up, what was that? Was it? Positive, neutral, negative? Um, honestly, a little positive because it, it, I had to bend over and I got, I stretched, you know, I had to put my body in a movement that it usually doesn't go into. And anytime I do that, like, even, even when it's not necessarily good for it, I enjoy it. So I was like, oh, this is a good stretch. Um, but not a whole lot of negative just because it's just, you know, I've done this before, but yeah, maybe a little bit. There's, you know, I'm not going to say there was no negative. There, there was a little negative to it, but not, wasn't too heavy. And of course we can't be sure viewing from outside, especially through zoom. But what I could say is that it appeared as though there were moments of, you know, kind of yeah. <laughs> frustration and negativity toward the experience. And I'm not suggesting that, I'm not saying, I'm not giving advice or suggesting what should be the case. Mm -hmm. What I'm suggesting is those are trainings for the upcoming difficulties. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. The small little things like that are, because essentially that the frustration that we feel in, in that case on some level may be, if we, if we look at it from the whole picture, basically reality is playing out, right? Like your cat was gonna shit on that floor no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> That's just the momentum of reality as it played out. The question is, do we feel do we feel we know better? Hmm. Because the moral judgment which creates these feelings, oftentimes of frustration or whatever, oftentimes is it shouldn't be that way. Right. 
or it's painful and we're frustrated at the pain, but the frustration doesn't cause the pain to go away. This makes it worse. It seems to make it worse. And so in a, in a, if we're really paying attention to the body and really paying attention to the, the way our body's interacting with circumstances and, and reality, we'll start to notice departures from reality where we're actually judging it, either intellectually or emotionally. Judging it is in in uh, in an unhelpful way, mm-hmm. right? Uh, now, it, like I said, it may not have been that you were judging. Maybe maybe something else was going on. But what I would suggest is that what is what it would have appeared to be, and that's what your daughter would pick up. Yeah. So um. So like when the. All right, so there's a so there's a little of like oh like uh, mentally, but then there is then there was the contraction of it. So just being aware of that, I guess, is how to. Uh, well, there's that, and then there's the, the there's also the question of is the oh the inevitable response? Is there another possibility, or are there other possible initial responses? Because hmm. right now the oh is maybe our habitual response. Yeah. Like it could have been laughter. <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, no, was funny. If you would have heard the noise he made. The noise was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> was it diarrhea? Yeah, yeah, it was diarrhea. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, <laughs> but I mean, there, there may be alternative um, responses to it that are essentially latent. Uh, we have a, a habitual response is what's going to come up. And that habitual response may not be what we, uh, what we want to continue to feed. So this is just a, just a suggestion or a, a poss- of possibilities. But really the, the pathway through is oftentimes through the small stuff. Like little seemingly meaningless, like, like that's just, you, it's, not exactly meaningless. Everything has, I guess, meaning you could say, but it's not like the end of the world. It's just right. five minutes to clean up and it's all done. Under your health circumstance, that five minutes is more taxing than it is for the ordinary person. And that's only going to be more so the case. Mm-hmm. And so there's the, so it gets easier when our health circumstances are as they are to see the psychological pattern come up, right? Whether it's healthy or unhealthy, uh, it's for you to determine. But each moment like that is an opportunity. We could view it as an opportunity. Like that little thing was a little rite of passage. (laughs) Forging the spirit, so to speak, or maybe discovering the spirit. Yeah. And now it's time to give you the temptation. I have to do this, and I'm sorry. Are you a Canadian citizen? Yeah. Canada has a euthanasia, has opened up euthanasia for anyone who wants it. Yeah, I um, I had forgotten all about that until you just said that. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I am a Canadian citizen. 
All you have to do is show. I think at this point, it might even be that it's just anybody who wants it, but it used to, but what I read um, was that if you can demonstrate that you have like a wasting disease, mm-hmm. situation, then it'd be deadly and you're a Canadian citizen, you can do it. Yeah, now living in the United States, it may, you know, it may take, I, I, you know, I don't think I cross the border and pop into a doctor's office and they give me a pill, but, you know, it, it may take more than I may, because obviously right now, like I'm not, I would, I'd have to be, if suicide is going to happen, like I'm going to have to go through a lot, you know, before it's, so I'm going to be in a situation that maybe getting me to Canada is impossible, yeah. you know, uh, well, I guess, yeah, if I knew I was at an exit, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be able to get the motivation to do it, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, so the question is, why did I have to say that to you? Oh, because there's a, a, one of my big fears is, like, I don't I don't have anyone to help me at this point. And I know, like, right now I could pull it off. Well, I don't fucking know like, if I could because I tried last time, but it'd be a lot easier at this point now mm-hmm. than when it gets to the point where it's going to get, but also like my mom might be more on board with that. I don't know. I can't imagine her. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it's presumably painless except for the travel. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that would be, I'd need someone to get me there. Yeah. I don't know if my mom would do that. I don't know, but you know what? Like this has been like a huge burden like of me, like, how's it going to happen? Should I just do it now while I can? You know, all this yeah. certain shit, like, yeah. anyway. But it's yeah. like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah, that would be the way I'd like to go for sure. Is, right. is, so, so we have, from my perspective, I had to share that with you so that you could see the whole range of possibilities. That's a possibility maybe you weren't aware of. I wasn't actually, I forgot somehow. The fact that that possibility is there will now influence potentially your experience going forward. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a seduction in a sense. It's not, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't do that. I'm just saying that that is part of reality that you now need to take into account. Mm -hmm. And the fact that that is a part of reality and you're aware of that aspect of reality, that possibility of we might say an easier or early exit um, than would otherwise be the case, reducing your pain, your mind might decide to go that route. Your mind might decide not to go that route. It's not for me to say which is appropriate. That's your exploration. And see why we we are leaning one way or the other. Be careful that the mind doesn't come to conclusions like, "Oh, reality is doing like this to me, so that must mean I should do yada yada yada. And I must do X or I must do Y." That's not helpful. Take responsibility for what you do. Um, many times people will say, well, it seemed like, uh, you know, everything in my life was funneling me towards this individual. And so I thought, well, this must be the person. 
and then that person ends up you know raping or you know doing all kinds of other terrible things to them yeah maybe that conclusion isn't correct that reality is leading me in this direction so i should do x or y is the right thing no no take responsibility for yourself yeah, what? so that's, it that's actually what, feels right to you. What? The, it actually feels right to you. Yeah. Don't put a moral statement on reality, is my point. Reality is doing such and such and such, leading me in this direction. So this must be the right thing. That's a moral judgment that you can't be sure of. Yeah. Maybe reality is leading you in that direction, and that's just a temptation. Maybe it's a rite of passage to see if you'll actually do what's right for you and not just follow the pattern as it seems to be on the surface maybe none of that is happening maybe it's all just coincidence in any case take responsibility for the energy that you pro project and feel mm. watch it don't take the easy out all reality is wanting me to do this how do you know <laughs> right yeah, no, that would happen last time when I was uh, bedridden. It's like all this energy, like, oh, th these people would say, try this. And someone else would say, try this. And they're, they're like, oh, this must be the way to go. But of course, like back then, like there was no energy to feel what was right. Like I, I had so little energy. I had to just see where it was taking me. There was nothing. And that's like, honest, I believe. That, I believe that that's I believe that that's honest. What you just described. There's a point where you'll have so little energy that the mind is basically going to be blown by the wind. Yeah, that's what it until felt. Like. Then, until that point, we yeah. maintain as much integrity as possible in the process without making it without making it shoulds. I should do this. I shouldn't do that. Okay. Those are dishonest. Those are kind of ways of manipulating ourselves. I should do this. I shouldn't do that. Okay. Ask yourself more like what's healthy. In this case, you might say, well, I mean, at some point I'll be at such a point that there's nothing I can do that will be healthy. You know. But that's actually not true. Again, the psyche doesn't stop with you. What you do will affect your daughter. How you present what you do will affect your daughter even more so. And there may come a time when you're so weak that you have no way to present anything in a way that your daughter will see courage or bravery or whatnot. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But she will see you leading up to that point. Yeah. And that's the message. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Thank you, Richard. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for watching the Courageous Spirit Podcast. If you would like to support this channel, you might subscribe, click the notifications, make a comment below. I know that Chris will be watching this channel. And if you'd like to share your thoughts and feelings with Chris, if you'd like to share your support, please write a comment. Let him know how you feel. Let him know how his experiences interact with your life, maybe what you realized. You may or may not agree with the direction he's heading, 
but I wonder if you can empathize with this situation. I wonder if you can imagine what it would be like to go through what he's going through. And with that, thank you so much for watching and I hope to see you in the next episode.